From 2 Corinthians 13, 13, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We are so glad that you are seeking God with us, and we pray that the message you are about to hear is a blessing to you. I am Brian Niebank, pastor of Zion United Church of Christ Fireside in Bellevue, Ohio. I thank you for joining us today as we seek to walk together with God, expressing our love in Bible study and prayer, living the life of the church and serving others and worshiping God. May God bless you today. Will you pray with me? O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever been told by someone else, I know better than you? Just follow my lead. See a few nods. Probably all have been told that one time or another. You are new to a sport. Perhaps it is skiing. For, for, just as an example. And a friend is helping you to learn how to be better at it. You think you have the basics down, but you may not have the proper technique. It would be in your best interest to listen to the person who has more experience than you. You probably did not want to hear that when you were a child and learning how to swim. You just wanted to swim. But the doggy paddle works just fine. I can swim this way. What the teacher knows is that the doggy paddle can last you for a few minutes. But after that time, you are going to grow tired. If you want to truly swim, you need to learn other strokes that are more resting and provide you with more endurance. Sometimes you may not like having to follow someone's lead, but if it is meant to help, it can be one of the best things that we do. When is the last time you told God to take the wheel and lead you? You may think that you can do it all on your own at times and that life goes pretty well, but what about when you get tired? Do you want to throw in the towel and forget about everything you ever learned in church? Or do you want to lean on a teacher who can help you through the challenge? When you try to be your own lead, 
You do not make it through as long as you do when God is your lead. God knows better than us. God can be our lead. God can be the one who teaches us to swim with actual strokes rather than just whatever we can handle. We read Paul's conversion story a couple weeks ago. He was a man named Saul who persecuted the Christian church. God came to him in a vision and changed his heart. He came to a disciple of God named Ananias who knelt with him and prayed so that scales may be be removed from his eyes and that he might see again. From that point forward, he learned from the disciples and was a changed man. Although Paul was the one converted in this story, it is important to realize that the main story in this and every conversion story is God. There is a consistent theme in the Bible that states that when God is the agent of change, all things are possible. This is an exercise of trust. You know, Peter was learning how to trust God when God told him in our scripture reading today to do what he had never done before, to accept the people who he had never accepted before. We are trusting God to be the one to make the change. When Saul came to the disciples They knew of his reputation. They knew that there was a risk that he could reveal their location to authorities if he was not truly genuine. But they felt that the call was from God and they trusted God as they worked with him. Joseph Harvard summarized the worth of this risk saying, even when we feel uneasy like Ananias, we can remember that he nonetheless did what God asked. Even when we feel uneasy like Ananias, we can remember that he nonetheless did what God asked. We can say the same of the disciples. Our challenge is to ask ourselves if we can say the same of us. Can we affirm to ourselves that God knows the better way, or that God knows the way better than us? We know of many who have said or been convinced that they knew better than God, but God's word always prevails. In Acts chapter 11, verses 8 through 9, Peter refuses to obey the Lord's command. By no means, Lord, he says. For nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. It's basically saying, God, what are you asking me to do? You don't want me to do that. I'm not going to do it. It breaks your law. But a second time, the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. As we walk through this world... And we meet people who have different traditions, different beliefs, and different everything. We know that we are called to love them all the same. 
Even when the world picks battles with us, we need to come through with trust in God. And yes, even when we disagree with others, we still can love them and show them the love that Jesus showed to us. When the disciples were overwhelmed with sorrow and confusion in the weeks following Easter, they had to lean on their trust in God as well. We are no different. If not, we are even more so because we have not seen the physically present, the physically risen Lord appear to us like he did to them. At least I can speak for myself when I say that I have not seen Jesus in the flesh. I can't speak for everyone here. Maybe you prefer to say we have seen Jesus in the flesh when we see the face of Jesus in our neighbor, in our Christian neighbor, and that is Jesus in the flesh to us. But we have not had the same experience that the disciples had, so the trust can be even more challenging for us at times. My first challenge for you today is this. Even when you are filled with doubt, or you feel like you are being asked to take a risk for God, what can you do to take a leap of faith anyway? Even when you are filled with doubt, or you feel like you are being asked to take a risk for God, what can you do to take a leap of faith anyway? For some, it may be a verbal explanation, my Lord and my God. Or it may be jumping out of the boat and swimming to the shore to Jesus when he appeared on the beach in John 21. I wonder if he used any recognized stroke. What can you do to increase your trust in this overwhelming presence of doubt? What can you do to stabilize your faith when everything else we know seeks to destabilize it? As we touched last week in Psalm 23 as well, the Lord makes a path for us and even sets a table for us in the presence of our enemies. We do not need to be removed from our enemies because we have the Lord right here with us. We do not need to escape what is in the world and what it teaches to live our lives in trust of God. We live with that doubt. We live with that worry. Everything that tries to fight our trust in God. As I write my sermons, I sometimes listen to worship music. As I was writing this section, this refrain kept repeating. I felt like it was some message that God was giving me. And this said... If God is for us, then who can ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then who can stand against? If our God is for us, then who can ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then who can stand against? The answer is absolutely no one. God is all that we will ever need. And it should be our life's work to try to learn to trust Him and to try to teach others to be able to do the same. 
It's life's work because it's not done overnight. But it's life's work because it is valuable. If our first challenge is to trust God in challenging circumstances, our second challenge is found in Acts chapter 11, verse 12. Not to make a distinction between them and us. This is what the Spirit told Peter and his brothers in regards to traveling with the Gentiles. And we can broaden this statement to include all those who do not do the things we like or appreciate. Our mission is only to love and better ourselves as best we can by learning how to trust God and so much else and then teach others how to do it. It is not our responsibility or mission to try to change others if we disagree with them. It's our mission to love and love more. It is not to cause divisions among God's people. We are a united church of Christ. We are one body of Christ. We can liken our worship experiences to Psalm 148 in this spirit, where everything in existence is called upon to praise the Lord. Wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all people, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together. That's quite a crowd, isn't it? Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above heaven and earth. We can praise the Lord all together. It makes no difference who we are so long as God is at the center. Recall a conversation I had once where uh, we were talking about verse like this or uh, Jesus as the good shepherd. And I was told to make sure I do not compare uh, people to sheep because we don't like being compared to animals. But here, I also think of the prayer of, of St. Francis, or Saint, what St. Francis did with the animals too. Uh, he prayed with and actually preached to the animals as well. And we can't say whether animals have a concept of God or, or not for sure, but this seems to point us to the possibility of it. And we can all unite, whatever we agree or disagree, our purpose is to praise God not exclude people or animals or anything that is on the earth. Why? Because it's all God's creation. God created all that we see around us. So we can all praise the Lord together as long as God is at the center and we can glorify God through the creation of the animals, through the existence of them, and also of all ourselves, of all people. We're not comparing ourselves to animals. We are praising God with them. Now, if we can praise God with God at the center of each of our lives, we can join together to praise God through every storm that we face. You can praise God through your storm as well. 
And you can do that because God has never left you. God never abandons us in the storm. It is we who are the ones who stop looking for God. When you think about the new creation, what do you dream of? I think it is close to what we're reading about in Psalm 148. All the world is filled with praise and with unity. When you organize a wedding or a large family gathering, we have our wedding here in church this Saturday, which I am joyful to anticipate. When we have our wedding or our large family gathering, do you dream that everyone will unify for the purposes of celebrating and shower praise on the wedding party or on the graduate? Do you, or, or do you dream, instead of, uh, instead of this uh, unity, do you dream of the division that may be blossoming between members of the same family? I've talked to some who have had families who've used birthdays or graduation ceremonies to bicker with one another. We certainly do not dream of that. But when, even when we accept that a wedding or graduation will not be filled with perfect unity and praise, can we not still dream it? That is also what we do that is also what we do in an imperfect world where we still have faith in God's ultimate reality. We are not dreaming and focusing on the divisions among us. We are focusing on praising God and unifying one another in that praise. That is our dream and that is God's ultimate promise and what is coming for us. Hear these words from a Lutheran pastor in Virginia, understanding that the world is as frightening to us as it was to the disciples who Jesus preached to. The original commandments were given to the community of God's people in the wilderness in order that they would get through an unfamiliar and frightening time together. This is how we make it. This is what we do. The new commandment given to the disciples anticipates their disorientation and gives them the key to reorienting in life after Jesus' death. The commandment is love each other. Love is not just for their own good, though it certainly will help them through the tough times ahead. They love one another as an act of witness so that people will know that Jesus lives on. Their love becomes God's glory. Love is an act of praise. Now to our graduates who have graduated from a school or maybe just from a school of thought, ready to come to God with a new attitude, <coughs> or a new opportunity. This is your message and challenge, and not just for graduates, but I challenge everyone here to think about this as your challenge, because we can all graduate from a school of thought or from the old way into the new. Love one another. 
and make no distinction between people. Commit to live like the Lord and you will be successful. You will be made new. Again, commit to live like the Lord and you will be successful. You will be made new. When you find yourself in the valley, find a way to trust. Find a way to praise. Find a way to love. And find a way to commit to the call that God wants you to accept. When we love in the valley, we accept or we admit that we do go into the valley often. There is work to do in the valley. And there we are filled with despair. We are filled with doubt about our capabilities. That will never go away. And the world tries to stop us from being more like God and from being more active, being encouraged Christians in the world. But if you find a way anyway to trust praise, love, and commit. You will be able to find your way in whatever way you take. Trust, praise, love, commit. Do not forge your own way. Take the path that someone has already laid out for us. Whether you use them or not, They put advisors and professors in our lives during college for a reason. Most professors actually want to spend their office hours talking to you about your challenges. Why would God be any different? Walk boldly through this challenging world, for nothing out there can overpower the goodness and the glory of God. Nothing can stop you from being faithful to God's plan if you choose to not let it. Nothing that is if you let God lead you through the valley rather than choosing to walk alone. May you take this blessing with you in everything you do and everywhere you go from Proverbs 16.3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. When you commit, you are never looking at God through your rearview mirror. God is your driver. May all glory and honor be to God. Thanks be to God. And amen. Our middle hymn is Blessed Be the Tie That Binds, found in our green hymnal, number 393. Let us sing together.
Looking through the words, I sing that hymn. For we are Christians that bind our hearts in love and we work for the same aim. And that is a glorious reminder uh, on this day and every day. John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus tells us, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. Let us with gladness offer to God the gifts of our labor, life, and love. Will our ushers please come forward to receive our offering.
Let us ask God to bless our gifts together. Loving God, we give you thanks for the ministry of reconciliation to which you call us in the name of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Each day we awaken to your goodness and our hearts cry out in praise as you set us to tasks for the life of the world. Do not let us hinder your love, but strengthen our will as we offer thanks in every simple gesture of this day. Accept these gifts for your mission to heal all creation. May they be a testament to your love for us as we share them in love for you. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We share our joys and concerns for today. Uh, Bob is not much changed. He's hoping he can go home soon, but he's uh, still at the Willows and uh, the Rehab Center, but he seems to have uh, been improving. Thank you for joining us here at Zion United Church of Christ Fireside in Bellevue, Ohio. If you would like to reach out to us, we would be thrilled to journey with you on your walk with God. Call us at 419-483-6658 in the United States. Reach out to us on our Facebook page or send us an email at zionunited at gmail.com with any prayer requests or questions you may have. Remember to make time for God and confess Jesus as your way to God to give you hope in this life. May you be blessed by God and be a blessing for another. We hope to see you again.